So I'm curious how people can connect with those that they feel safe with in a way. What is that process as they are healing and as they are kind of uncovering um, the points at which need tending? I guess in that process, how do you relate? Because I can imagine it's it's incredibly lonely as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to speak to the point as being someone who was very generally limited memory about my childhood. And I do get asked often, like, do we have to know the details? How important is it mm-hmm. to go back and totally. unearth, you know, kind of the what happened and really have that clarity? And some of us don't have access. I mean, I am someone who no matter how hard I try, how many pictures I look at, of my childhood, I don't have those kind of flashes or that movie screen of what my life was like. And a large part of it was because, like I just described, I was so disconnected. And one of the things that happens as our stress becomes more consistent and goes up with cortisol being released throughout our body, it actually, the more cortisol running through our bloodstream, the more a particular part of our brain called the hippocampus is affected. And the hippocampus is where we store our memories. So there's a very real physiological reason. In addition to, like we were just describing with you, Chris, I'm not fully present. If we're not fully present for something, it's going to be really hard to reference back Mm -hmm. that particular movie screen image because our consciousness was elsewhere. And then if we couple that with all of the cortisol of this stressful experience that's raging through our bloodstream, now we actually physiologically can't remember because our hippocampus is impacted. Mm. So to simply answer your question, we're still carrying the memory in our emotional responses, sometimes in our sense of self that we've now created, the beliefs that we have, how we cope, how we show up, how we relate to others in our relationships. Mm. So the best place then to start is we don't actually have to go back, unearth the trauma, view it again, and you know have a different emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. We can just start And the best place to start is to become really aware. And the first section of my new workbook is all about physical habits with an emphasis on the nervous system. So really becoming conscious of these different sensations and indicators that my nervous system is actually Mm -hmm. dysregulated in our body. And then from there, we can create the safety to begin to unpack Mm -hmm. the deeper feelings that are active in that moment. Because when we're feeling threatened, we're usually feeling something else deeper. We're feeling unworthy. We're feeling angry. We're feeling grief. We're feeling sad. We're feeling something else. And then that could give us the path forward. Because mm-hmm. I think in, in the world, it's like, I want to heal. I want to, you know, people have these ideas of what they want to do and how they want to live. And it has been the work of where I'm like, oh, I want to have intimate relationships. Or I want to have, be able to speak confidently through conflict. Or I want to be able to navigate mm-hmm. conf- conflict and be in my body. Because, you know, before I would, it's like as soon as something happens, I'm like, bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I would just be like, oh my God, what do I have to do to make this end? Couldn't couldn't really stick up for myself or I, else I'd be like a fucking viper. And so in, I had to pull back and be like, okay, what's going on here? Like I'm not doing this. What is the thing? And it was the nervous system and unlocking the ability to be in my body and regulate my nervous system in those moments that has helped me. So I think this is so important. I'm so glad we're talking about this because it really is the part that unlocks so many different aspects of healing and healthy relationships and a healthy life. So what are some other ways that you that you see the nervous system playing a role in people's lives that you serve? I mean, again, it, it is directing all of our reactions. And I think relationships is typically the, the immediate next mm-hmm. conversation. I mean, to speak to your point, the way you're describing it, I become reactive, right? I, I kind of do these things and our intimate, close, even friendship, platonic relationships are usually where we meet 
feelings. We have interpersonal conflict. We're trying to navigate two different perspectives and, you know, negotiate what choices we're going to make to make sure that we're honoring each individual. And that's usually then the space where our nervous system is impacting how we're showing up outside even of those moments of reactivity when we're screaming and yelling at someone we love and then feeling so shameful after the Mm -hmm. fact or we're icing them and not speaking and giving the silent treatment. We feel bad after the fact. I think it's the more consistent ways too that we've adapted. Mm -hmm. Some of us have taken on ways of being. We've become a people pleaser, a yes person, fawning, serving someone else to keep ourselves safe before the conflict even exists. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another really foundational piece of the impact of our nervous systems because our nervous system back when we're children actually needed a separate Mm -hmm. nervous system to co-regulate with. Mm -hmm. We need an attuned caregiver. We need someone else to help us create safety. Mm -hmm. And when we don't have that, we're going to adapt. We're going to find a way to create some semblance of safety the best way that we can. So now if we're trying to relate to another person, Not only does it become more likely that we kind of fall back into those habitual patterns, I mean, even saying the word like disconnection, I said that earlier, our ability to even connect with another individual is really connected to our nervous system. And Mm -hmm. if we're not in our body, to speak to your point, Chris, of how important it is, if we're not in our body, we're not, if we're not connected to our own self, our own heart, we're not going to be able to give love or receive love or connection from another person. Yet, I think for many of us, and I've done this throughout my 20s, pointed the finger at these emotionally unavailable, not deep people that are the problem in my relationship, not understanding that I wasn't available for emotional Mm. connection. I wasn't making myself vulnerable Mm -hmm. by sharing my deeper feelings because that felt too unsafe. I was demanding someone come close and hug me and I had my hand out, Mm -hmm. not allowing them. So- what does that look like? Because mm-hmm. I, I relate and I just yeah. want to, what, like, what would that look like in examples so not, people can really understand? Not allowing someone to, to come close. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do that to this day. Mm-hmm. I actually had, I lost my mother a little over a year ago now. Mm-hmm. I celebrated the one year of her death in May. Mm-hmm. So around her death anniversary, I started to have feelings coming up. And a couple things, it looks like for me, it looks like first mind reading. I have the idea that my partners around me should just know without me telling them that I'm, obviously I'm upset. Of course, my mom's death day is next week. Why wouldn't you Mm. know I'm upset right now? And at the same time, if I'm being honest and observing myself while I'm anticipating or hoping that they're reading my mind, I'm not acting or or in a behavioral way asking for help. I'm actually being passive-aggressive commenting about how they're not available. And sometimes I'm hiding away in my room, not allowing myself to be supported. Mm. So again, we have to really be honest, I think, sometimes with ourself. Mm. And oftentimes the role we're playing when we're not having our needs met in a relationship is something unconscious that we're doing. We might very deeply want that connection in that moment, just like I very deeply wanted them to know that I wanted a hug or them to come Mm. sit next to me in my grieving feeling. I had to at some point take the responsibility for I wasn't telling them that I needed support and I wasn't making myself available. I was actually making myself as my one partner, Lolly, likes to call it a prickly pear mm-hmm. <laughs> and not allowing them anywhere near me. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, the honesty piece, being honest with yourself, I feel like has been such a huge and simple part <laughs> of yes. like my journey where um, I think because we're like, there's a barrage of information and tools coming our way. And I'm like, yeah, we have all the tools, we got all the resources. <laughs> And then like that piece of, wait, wait a second, have I carved out time to 
yeah, be in conversation with myself and just self-reflect a little bit and see where the incongruencies are and see where the misalignments are with what I'm saying I want mm-hmm. and what I'm actually doing, what I'm, you know, saying I desire and what I'm actually communicating, say, with my, my partner. Thank you so much for tuning in to Morning Microdose by Almost 30. We hope you enjoyed waking up. As always, we encourage you to take what resonates and leave the rest. If you enjoyed this trip, tune into the full episode on the Almost 30 podcast. All episode information can be found in the show notes. Make sure to subscribe. And if this becomes a part of your morning routine, be sure to share it with a friend. We have new inspiring doses Monday through Friday. Follow us on Instagram at Morning Microdose and follow Almost 30 at Almost 30 Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the vortex.